Hello and a big warm welcome to you. Welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name's Marion Rose, PhD, and today I am recording the first of a new series of episodes. And this is all about the effects of our birth. Hmm. And actually, it's more than our birth. So I'm using birth as a shorthand, but it really includes the whole of the pre and perinatal phase. So really, that's our time in utero and also our time after birth as well, those early days. And really, that's going to be in this series, looking at how that whole phase and what happens during it affects us when we're babies and how those effects can continue into childhood and adulthood. So I'm going to be doing some episodes on my own like this one and I also have a number of guests coming in to talk about various different elements and some of that will be aware parenting instructors talking about supporting their babies to heal from birth trauma for example or helping their children perhaps they didn't know about aware parenting when their children were babies so supporting their children to heal from perhaps what happened after birth and we're also going to be talking and having conversations with people who are working with the effects of the pre and perinatal phase phases with adults and also our own experiences so I've got one really yummy conversation coming up about my experience as a baby in an incubator uh, with someone else who's had that experience so that's going to be the next episode so I'm really 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 happy to be recording this series for you because it is really one of my all-time most topics that I'm most passionate about and today I'd really love to dive in deep and wide to share about that with you and why that is and really so much of it is why I'm so passionate about aware parenting because one of the things it really does do is understand so clearly how babies come into the world already with all the processes they need to heal from what they've experienced whilst in utero, whilst being born and in that postnatal period. And that can be incredibly life-changing to get to support our babies or our children to heal from those experiences. And that can be incredibly different from waiting often decades to both really see and understand the effects of what's happened to us early on, but also to heal, to offer reparative experiences to bring about change. So I would love to invite you to come back on a little journey with me, a big journey. And I am remembering the very first time that I heard this idea that basically babies are sentient beings even whilst they're in the womb and that what they experience there has an effect that in cases we can access and that was back many many years ago so it's 40 no hang on how many years ago was that a lot of years so I'm 55 now this was back when I was 14 and I was in the kitchen with my mum and dad it was a winter's night I, re- I can absolutely remember the exact moment as if it were yesterday So we were having dinner in the kitchen and my dad used to love having the radio on. So we had Radio 4 on and there was a program where a man was talking about experiencing hypnotherapy and remembering his experience in utero and being born. And I remember, do you have those times in your life where there are pivotal moments that that stay with us forever just like this memory does for me where I was absolutely mm, intrigued (laughs) 
I was listening and I was thinking and things were starting to fall into place for me. And really that was the first time where my experience started to begin to make sense. So I was born at 30 weeks, which back 55 years ago, that was very early. And I was in an incubator for six weeks. And back in those days, there was research starting to come out. But really, a lot of the mainstream views about babies were that not only did they not really have any feelings when they were babies, let alone whilst they're in the womb, but they didn't actually feel things physically either. My understanding in some countries, I'm not quite sure whether it's England, America, Australia, but I read somewhere, it wasn't until like the 80s in some countries where babies were actually given anaesthetic if they had a medical procedure. So that really shows... Um, the state of understanding of, of babies commonly, even though there's all this research was going on, there's been decades and decades of research now into pre and perinatal psychology and really understanding what babies sense and perceive and experience and are affected by and are learning about and remember. Anyway, of course, back in those days, nobody really knew. So I came home and that was, you know, a story in our family. But there wasn't really an understanding of how that might have affected me. But at 14, I I went, aha, yeah, okay, there's something here. I went on to do a degree in psychology. Because as soon as I found out there was a thing called psychology, I again had this deep calling a lot of it being, again, to really understand myself and why I was the way I was and some of the, particularly the feelings I felt, I felt a lot of fear as a as a child and a teenager and I felt very reluctant to speak and all kinds of other things. I just really wanted to understand. So I did a, that degree and whilst I was doing that, I I really got into developmental psychology and there was a thing back in the day called the intergenerational trans- transmission of parenting and that, and that was one of the topics I was really interested in. So I kept going and then I did a PhD on the mother-infant relationship and the effect of postnatal depression and as part of that I was learning lots and lots and lots about babies and mothers and babies and birth and I was really diving deep not only into all the research but as part of my own research I visited the local birthing unit as part of a hospital and I was talking to new mothers mothers who'd just given birth day in day out and talking to them about their birthing experiences and then visiting them in their homes and videoing them with their babies when they were playing and when they were feeding and various things. And I'm so grateful for that experience because not only did I learn there about observing babies, I learned how to really code what I saw. So I spent many, many, many hours back at the Winnicott Research Unit, which was part of Cambridge University, looking at these videos, slowing them right down millisecond by millisecond, really looking at what was happening. Uh, But also I learned so much about birth, really talking to the mothers, and I really learned about the cycle of intervention that often happens. And again, I'm so grateful for that and what a difference that made for me in terms of my own later experience of giving birth. So I was doing this PhD and I was learning all about the work of, of people like Winnicott and lots and lots of other people who'd really studied babies and that wasn't enough though I wanted more I wanted more so I started and completed a training in psychosynthesis psychotherapy which is a a psychospiritual psychotherapy so again I was learning so much about feelings and babies and our experiences and how our experiences affect us and it was incredibly powerful. And I remember one of the people that we learned about that was someone called Stanislav Groff, 
And again, that was back in 1992 and I was straight away again so intrigued with his work. And one of the things he'd done was develop something called holotropic breathwork where people would go back and amongst other things, they would revisit their birth experience. And he, through observing thousands and thousands of people going through this, started to see patterns emerging based on, on what he saw. He, thought he saw these patterns, these basic perinatal matrices in terms of what happens during birth and how people's lives would reflect what they experience in these different stages. So again, I was just like, yes, 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 more, more, I want to dive in deeper. So I did some holotropic breathwork myself. I also had rebirthing experiences. So by this time I was already in one-on-one therapy. I had that for at least like the whole of my 20s pretty much and I was again discovering and sharing about feeling feelings related to my childhood and to, to those early, early days. So that was my passion, <laughs> absolute passion to really understand babies, mothers and babies or what happens. And of course, making more and more sense of my own experience and how much my experience of being born breach, being premature, being in an incubator and then People not understanding that, how, what a huge effect that had on me in my childhood, my teenagers, but also my young adult years, still having a massive effect. So I started this very, very long journey of healing from that experience. And I remember the first elements of that experience was so much about really feeling all the grief, the isolation of being alone for so long when... Of course, as a baby, my every instinct was for closeness, to be held, to have that beautiful skin-to-skin contact. And I just did not have that. And there was so many tears, so much grief. And, and I'd really carried that around, of course, up until that point. Just, just been so, so, so much loneliness and isolation and so often I would experience particularly my teenagers is kind of longing just these longing feelings and the more I understood the more I realized that was that was the longing of little baby me just longing to be held longing to gaze into the eyes of my mum and my dad just absolutely desperate for that experience that I didn't have so that was the first stage and then the next step was a lot of um, going in deeper and really exploring experiences of powerlessness thinking about the the kind of interventions I had and really starting to make sense of why certain things in my present life would help me connect with feeling deeply powerless or terrified so things like going in lifts or going in planes. So, of course, we know that when something in the present reminds us of something in the past that was painful, that we have feelings to express still about it, we will, we will revisit those memories. And that's what would so often happen for me, you know, the idea of being in a lift. And that similarity, of course, to being in an incubator of just being confined and just having no power to to do anything to get out to just being in that place day after day after day so that was a really big part of it the the terror and the powerlessness and thinking about the medical procedures again that I would have had and just made again sense of experiences I'd had around fear and breathing and sensitivities in my face and my teeth and my mouth and just like again more and more really understanding how painful it is for a baby who comes out into the world so beautifully highly sensitive and 
so affected by what happens. And so that was another whole level of healing that I went through for, for many, many years. So I'm sharing about my own healing journey. I'm going to go and rewind as well. Then another part of the healing, and again, it would often be outer things that would help me reconnect with that. So there, I was going through an overwhelming outer experience and that helped me then reconnect with the overwhelm of being amongst the bright lights and the machine noises for all those weeks, just unable to find peace or solace, just that absolute overwhelm. And of course, for a newborn baby, that's one of the most common things. It's so everything is new. And of course, we can support babies by holding them, by reducing overwhelm as much as possible. And of course, I didn't have that experience. And then one of the more recent explorations I've been on is really, really, really getting. And I, I think because as I see still in this culture, that still a lot of these things aren't realized. And I see um, in a lot of medical professionals, parents, like, you know, in the general culture, babies can be having medical procedures or being incubators or have these experiences. And, and still in our, in our culture, we don't understand that they will have experienced painful feelings and part of the healing has been also really understanding that the deep pain of just nobody understanding nobody having any clue about what I'd experienced and of course you know think about people like Alice Miller and her work and talking about it's not only the things that happen to us but it's so much about whether or not someone is with us and can hear and can listen to our feelings about what happened to us, which of course is so core to aware parenting. So that was really, really deeply painful. Nobody understanding the depth of feelings I'd felt until really I started to uncover it and then of course searched out for therapists and modalities where I would really have that deep experience of being understood. And then there was a whole other part of the journey of really understanding how much dissociation I needed to be in. Of course, if you think about a newborn baby, we've got the options, fight, flight and freeze. Babies will generally try to, if there's some kind of medical intervention, they might try and push away with their hands or legs, but there's not a lot they can do. There's not a lot I could have done. So freeze them really becomes the only option. And again, been a many years journey of really moving out of that dissociation into more and more presence and ability to be with my feelings and to be in the present and to be deeply connected with my body. So it's been a huge journey of about 33 years <laughs> overall. And I really would love to share that it's massive healing is absolutely possible when we start in adulthood. So if any of you are listening and you have been through, you know that you went through stress in utero or traumatic birth or medical procedures or separation or things like that after your birth, which of course is very, very common, particularly for anyone in the, you know, if you're a parent now, it's very common babies are routinely separated from mothers in hospital births. So, so many of us in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s are, have feelings, have healing to do. That is absolutely possible. And what I love is, you know, my mum and I, she is 91 now, I'm 55. And if you listen to any of the other early episodes here you would know about the flooding that happened here and that she's still living in my living room and we have such a gorgeous connection most of the time and we have gone through so much deep and profound healing so I really want to offer that that is never too late as Aletha Salter says it's never too late to start healing it's never too late to start listening to feelings so profound healing can happen and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about aware parenting is because it is also a very different experience to get to heal from our time in utero, our birth, our 
early weeks and months whilst we're still a baby or a child. I know for me, carrying all that terror and all that powerlessness and all the loneliness and all those feelings throughout my childhood and teenage years and young adult years it had a massive effect on my relationships and what I did and what I was able to do and what I wasn't able to do so that's why I love really supporting parents to see what difference it is to get to heal when we're a baby or a child rather than to wait until adulthood although it's still of course possible at any age absolutely any age so if I see babies, and particularly if I've seen them be through being through traumatic births or separation or medical procedures, you know, I can I really recognise so often the look in the eyes, the positions of their bodies, how much tension they're holding. I can really recognise the kinds of feelings that they might be having. Can sense how many feelings they're holding within. Can tell how much they might be dissociating in order to survive. And so my passion is for every baby to get to experience the kind of healing that's possible with aware parenting, which is why I keep sharing about it for more than two decades now. And really that's the thing, the healing from birth trauma while still a baby or a child is completely possible with aware parenting. So I'm going to go back to a little bit more about some theory and a little bit more about some other elements of my journey. So there are a few people that I've really got into in the 80s. So when I was preparing for becoming a parent, I'd already learned of some of these people and some of them were new to me. So the work of people like Thomas Verney and David Chamberlain and in particular Thomas Verney's book, The Secret Life of the Unborn Child, and then he's got another one, Nurturing the Unborn Child with Pamela Weintraub, and also another one that they co-authored on pre-parenting, Nurturing Your Child from Conception. So when I was preparing to, to become a mother, I found through this amazing synchronistic event and it just showed up again on Facebook actually I was like okay I really want to do some more healing from my own birth experience so it really doesn't show up when I'm giving birth and through this incredible synchronicity I found out about hypnobirthing so I went and did the first ever hypnobirthing training in Australia and really did a massive amount of healing still from my own experiences as a baby and went from being absolutely terrified at the idea of giving birth even after all the years of therapy and training and working as a psychotherapist and you know just diving in deep to all of this but through the hypnobirthing and then I also trained in something called private subconscious mind healing whilst I was pregnant with my daughter which I heard about on the hypnobirthing training and it was somebody called Peter Jackson who then went on to create Calm Birth. So he was the one who organized the hypnobirthing training for Marie Mungan to come over from the US to do that training. And then he was already a PSH, Private Subconscious Mind Healing Therapist. And so he told me all about that. So I did that. And then he went on to develop Calm Birth, which I then also offered later on and used with my the birth of my son. But so anyway, I really basically went from being terrified of giving birth to through all of that to feeling this incredible deep trust in my body and my baby and our capacity together to have an amazing birth. So I planned for a, a, what's called a free birth or it used to be called back in the day unassisted birth with the father of my children there uh, who's now an aware parenting instructor too, Michael. And when I dive into something, I dive in really deep. So I did a massive, massive, massive amount of preparation and learning. We had a, a midwife friend visit when I was about 38 weeks pregnant. She said she had never met anyone who'd done as much preparation or was as prepared for birth. And I was like, yeah, that, that's kind of how I do things. 
And so it was an incredible birthing experience. It was uh, 86 hours long. She was posterior and I was really calm and relaxed throughout all of it with the hypnobirthing. And we did end up going around to the birthing center around the corner because Mike was starting to feel a bit concerned. I, I didn't feel at all concerned, but she was still fine. So I did give birth around the corner and then we just came back again. It was an incredibly empowering and amazing experience. And I'm so grateful for all that I'd learned in the previous you know, 15 years that supported us to have that experience. It was incredible. And whilst so I backtrack a little bit, whilst I was pregnant, I had been searching for a style of parenting that would fit with all of these things, so to fit with all that I'd studied in terms of you know, understanding about attachment theory. And I'd read the continuum concept back in 1992 when I was living in Cambridge. And so I'd really deeply wanted that just to be carrying her everywhere and co-sleeping and all of those things. But I wanted something that also understood that all I learned about pre and perinatal psychology and all that I'd learned as a psychotherapist in terms of healing and Back in those early days of the internet, back in uh, 2001, I was searching and I found Aletha Salter's website, so whereparenting.com. And it was one of those light bulb moments of, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, the angels singing. Because <laughs> it really did, it fitted with all the research, all the things, just everything and you may have heard me share this story before, but it's it had this one extra piece that I did not know. I did not know that babies could heal from their experiences in utero, during birth, right from birth. And that was it. I was like, yep, this is it. This completely resonates. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And I was all in and... Michael's also really supportive and, and willing to. He also had a background in psychology. Is that, yep, yep. So that was that. <laughs> and uh, our daughter's now 21 and completely adore her as much as I adored her from, from the moment I first I could feel her in my womb. I feel so much joy even just thinking about her. Anyway, <laughs> so that was... That was back then. And so really this this missing piece of like, oh my gosh, aware parenting. Really, a baby's literally can heal from stress and trauma right from birth. Amazing. And yeah, as you probably know, I'm still incredibly passionate about aware parenting. So what else would I like to share? So just in terms of a bit more of my own story. I, um, I'll give a content warning. I'm going to share something that might be, you might feel upsetting about pregnancy. So after that first, after Lana, I don't like the word miscarriage. So I did a pregnancy loss at, at 12 weeks, which was very painful, but also I'm so grateful that I knew what to do to to heal profoundly from that and then we conceived Sunny who that was four and a half years after Lana and so by then I was already an aware parenting instructor I was already a calm birth instructor and so I used calm birth with his birth and also had a I had a free birth that actually I did stay at home and I'd learned so much more even about posterior birth so if anyone's thinks their baby might be posterior or has had a posterior birth before even so I did all the things I read up all about it I did all the things you know I never lay back I would lay on my side all the time I did all that all the things that I knew about that I'd found out about and then I happened to discover this amazing book <laughs> from the woman I was seeing for um, craniosacral I think because I'd, I'd really got into this book by someone called Dr. Gary Motha The Gentle Birth Method and there was lots and lots of preparation so on every single level because again I like to do things really thoroughly I had all kinds of 
treatments on all different layers and levels from dietary to herbs to various different types of body work, just all the things. And so as part of that, I think it was, yeah, she was a craniosacral therapist. She told me about this amazing lifting technique by Janie McCoy King. And again, this wasn't, it's not so well known, but it's this technique. It's really understanding what's happening during posterior birth and why it's so long. And she warned in the book, if you do this, your baby will probably be born very quickly. And I was like, okay, well, that's, they'll be a bit different from 86 hours. So I did indeed do the lifting technique with Sunny. And so it's basically the idea that with every surge, with a posterior birth, because of that, it's really kind of like physics, the, because of the positioning of the baby, the baby's head is the pressure of the surge is pushing on on the lower back which is why there's that sensations in the back rather than on the cervix so there isn't that it's not supporting the cervix to open which is usually why it's so long so basically what I did with every surge there's this process where you just kind of I use my arms hands to to lift up my belly so that his positioning would be that the, the surge and the pressure would indeed be on my cervix and with all I'd done in hypnobirthing private subconscious mind healing and calm birth every time so there was strong sensation I did the lifting and then once they got into position it was completely comfortable and I was completely amazed and yeah he was it was about an hour and a half Uh, so it really did happen the way that she said and really the second stage was Lana's had been some hours his second stage I've forgotten exactly how much but it was something like two or three surges and and he just kind of turned in that second stage and then popped out it was it was profound it was really profound and I really had the sense of like after that we did have someone come round the next day to weigh him and he's quite a big baby and I was like yep I can do anything <laughs> it was so empowering so again if you think about me going from this very quiet little girl didn't say anything didn't say anything much in my teenage years terrified most of the time full of guilt and shame just like quite dissociated to somebody who could have these birthing experiences was such a profound shift and I love sharing that story I'm sending love to you if you've had different birthings I know how excruciating that can be and how much healing needs to be done can need to be done after that but I'm also showing it because I like to offer the possibility of how much change can happen that profound incredible change can happen in our lifetime in ways that we would never have believed possible I would never believe that that would be possible for me to feel that much confidence and power in my body and I do want to say as an aware parenting instructor I'm certainly not advocating for unassisted birth or free birth I think it's so important for every mother and every couple to really just do massive amounts of research and decide what where they will feel safest and most relaxed and most able to be with that birthing process for me this was that that was it for me the free birthing but everyone's different it's so important to deeply listen to ourselves and our innate wisdom in relation to what is the best fit for us so with Sunny interestingly I think I may have shared this once before on the podcast because he had such a quick birth he actually did have quite a lot of feelings to share about it because you know it was intense it was intense for both of us and so he definitely had lots of feelings to share and the other thing that was really interesting was when he was first born so soon after I put him to to the breast and he latched on and he just clamped on so tight it was really really painful and I am so grateful that he was my second baby not my first because breastfeeding with Lana had been really easy and really enjoyed I breastfed her a lot it took me some while to really understand about aware parenting and how at times I was definitely feeding her when she had feelings to share that was quite a journey story for another time but anyway it was really clear to me that he had massive amount of tension in his jaw and his skull 
and made complete sense that after that birth that, that was why. So what I did, and there's no way I could have done this if he had been my first baby and I'd never practiced where parenting, I'd never listened to a baby crying in my arms before. There was no way I could have done that. And I want to say in terms of aware parenting, for example, Aletha Salter often recommends to wait a couple of weeks before listening to feelings just to really make sure the milk's come in and all the things. But if you are a second time mom and you are confident about breastfeeding, and particularly if you have done crying arms before, like I had, I was really confident to listen to his feelings. So in that first 24 hours, he cried in my arm three separate times. And after each time, he would latch on and the latch was more relaxed. And after that third time, it was really completely relaxed. We went on to have a really beautiful breastfeeding relationship. So for me, that was the incredible power of aware parenting, that even though we'd had a, it was relatively amazing and yummy birth and very empowering for me, but incredibly intense and incredibly intense for him. And I think that's really important. And it's one of the things I love about Stan Groff's work is even if, we do have a calm birth or it might be like an orgasmic birth or it might be a free birth or, you know, it might be a calm birth, whatever birth, if it's, even if it's really enjoyable for us. If it's a vaginal birth for a baby, it's, it's really intense, the pressure and the sensations they go through. And Stan Groff, for me, his work really, really articulates that so beautifully and clearly. And what I love about aware parenting is really seeing this incredible wisdom that babies have. And I'm not saying all babies can heal from all things through aware parenting, but they're pretty amazing. And to see what Sonny did in terms of his healing is absolutely profound, you know, that releasing all that tension through crying in arms. And he had a craniosacral person coming on that day after as well. So I... Of course, as an aware parenting instructor, don't there's there's nothing that goes with aware parenting. But just as a human being and through my own experience, I do highly recommend craniosacral for all babies, but particularly if they've had a fast birth or a slow birth, and particularly if they've had any kind of intervention, and particularly if it's been vontus or forceps, and to really hold in mind if a baby's had vontus or forceps, in particular gone through things like that the bodies can be really have been deeply affected by that they might have a headache they might have all kinds of kind of things that need adjustment and part of the series we're going to be having on Shelley Clark who's an aware parenting instructor and she's also a craniosacral therapist and long-term mentee of mine she's an amazing woman and I'm so looking forward to some of the things she's going to be sharing about really understanding these deep physiological effects of birth and what we can do to support babies who otherwise can be carrying these physiological effects often for many 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 years or for a whole lifetime you know things can get certain positions or postures I cannot think of the accurate words but you get what I mean can go on for a long time so again craniosacral can be really powerful and aware parenting can be really powerful and so I didn't say right at the beginning, which I did mean to say, is one of the other parts of doing this series is because I am going to be releasing my first of three books, a trilogy of aware parenting books. And this one is about, it's called The Emotional Life of Babies. If that title's, I'm pretty sure that's the title it's still going to be. And I'm sharing stories about that and we've got some beautiful people who've shared their own experiences of similar things as supporting their babies to heal from their birth experience soon after birth or later on or months on or years on I wonder if you can hear snoring we have a puppy snoring it wouldn't be the same without the puppy snoring <laughs> by the way I'm doing this amazing thing I've been doing it for some while but I stopped doing it for a while and I wonder if this is helpful to know clearly I was very stressed last year and these two puppies, one of them barks a lot and I've never had a dog who barks and clearly she has absolutely been affected by my stress. And I started this amazing course about the trust technique last year and then I did some and then I paused and I wasn't willing to do any more. And then I started it again. I'm just seeing really lovely effects and I just think 
that can be so common can't it so that can be the same in parenting i wonder if you've experienced that we might be experiencing something that's we know something's up you know that might be a baby's waking a lot or something's going on and we might find something new like aware parenting and we might do a little bit and then we might pause for a while and i think so important as you know me i'm so passionate about in the marion method work about dropping those emotional sticks and not judging ourselves and not coercing ourselves and really trusting the timing of things and sometimes it just takes us time so i i could have when i've been doing the more recent bits and seeing the differences uh, particularly in in little koyo and i could think why didn't i do this months and months ago it would have been really helpful <laughs> but i wasn't willing and i wasn't ready and i was actually so stressed that i wasn't really in a position to do it so i just really want to invite you if that's for you with parenting or anything else to to also really just trust your timing everything has its own time so, what was I talking about? Yum. Oh, since I'm talking about the Marian method, I will say in the Marian method work, there's three elements, love, will, and conversations with life. And a lot I talk about in the Marian method is, in terms of will work, is about birth and timing. So, so often again in, in this culture, babies get, sped up and there's the whole thing around due dates which I don't believe there is such a thing as a due date and I like to have like a an idea of a approximate window of time that a baby is likely to be born and to really see and I see it so often have done over the many years to see you know the effects that get set up in people for example if they are induced and they weren't actually ready or willing to come. And all the kinds of stories that can happen in a family in relation to, you know, you were this, you were late, or you were X, Y, and Z. And the themes that this can set up. And so often in relation to our will, you know, our will is so much about our life energy and our yes to life and our time in relation to when we are willing to, to be born, to come out into the world. And the big themes that can get set up around timing and also it doesn't happen so often but also if a baby's wanting to be born and is being prevented from that too and so all kinds of themes can show up and can keep showing up again and again and again and again we can see so moving away from the Marian method work but just in general we can so clearly see and I wonder if you see that in your life or perhaps the life of your child or children these patterns that often get set up and sometimes those can be shifted for example with aware parenting but sometimes those themes can also continue we might see those in our lives we might see that just in general or we might see that every time we start a new thing or we might see that for our children if they go to school when they go to school if they go to university like any new thing and for us any new project any new relationship any new any new something as well as our birthday itself the feelings and the themes and the conclusions that we made based on what we experienced can show up at those times so for example patterns in relation to being stuck or doing it all oneself or not having support or the kinds of feelings we might have in our bodies if your mother had anesthetic you might even at certain times in a project start to go really to, to really dissociate or to feel really numb or to have a particular metallic taste in your mouth all kinds of things that can happen because we are trying to heal from those original experiences so those patterns that repeat and repeat and repeat and again we can think about it in accumulated feelings or trauma that is stored in the body so for example i shared about me going in lifts i'd feel literally terrified terrified revisiting being in an incubator all on my own as a tiny baby and being terrified and then if you think about it also for babies in really tangible ways. So we know that babies who've experienced stress in utero or birth trauma tend to 
have more challenges in relation to sleep and it makes complete sense in aware parenting, doesn't it? From the aware parenting perspective, rather, because they've experienced more stress and trauma they've got more feelings sitting in their bodies that those feelings will wake them up because they are trying to heal from that stress and trauma through crying in our loving arms. And then there's also some other really interesting things like uh, I've talked to just a couple of people who had um, scans whilst they were pregnant. Again, that's something to look into. Uh, I didn't do that myself personally. But so again, I think it's so important to go back to researching, researching, researching. So everybody makes decisions that are uh, apt for them and everyone's decisions are going decisions are going to be different the research being so important anyway and as i said i've talked to a couple of people who've seen in that their baby was sucking their thumb in utero and so we know from an aware parenting perspective that thumb sucking is often what we call a control pattern or a, a way to mildly dissociate from feelings and in talking to those particular mothers they shared that they had a particularly ongoing stresses particularly stressful when they were pregnant and so what we can hypothesize is that babies are experiencing that stress and they're using their thumb whilst in utero to mildly dissociate from that stress in their bodies and we may then see that 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 baby then might also suck their thumb once they're born, that might be their kind of go-to control pattern when they have accumulated feelings. So again, incredibly powerful things that we can see. And actually, I'm going to talk a little bit more about stress in utero. But I'd love to show a few other things first. So again, when we l- look at babies, and the more we understand, for, for me, the more we understand, the more we've experienced and done our own inner work, if we did experience trauma, in this pre and perinatal phase and to start to sense in our body the, the powerlessness or the overwhelm or the loss or the terror to actually then observe babies and to see how much babies are communicating how much they're communicating their feelings I know for me that I was following someone whose baby was in an incubator and uh, I could see from observing this baby like the 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 particular stance and the wide open stare and literally that terror in this baby's eyes you know that we can really see babies are communicating how they feel and because in our culture we really not supported to see that we often you know we're taught really aren't we to help them dissociate from their feelings in all the ways we've talked about here in this podcast the the jiggling the rocking and the giving the dummy or pacifier or all all the things that we might do to feed them lots when they're not hungry, all the ways that actually means they don't actually get to express those feelings. So those feelings sit in their bodies and may sit in their bodies like for me for decades and for many, many people their whole lifetime or they might show up in particular times. So particularly... You know, for women, when we are pregnant and when we're giving birth, that's so often a time that any experiences that we went through that we haven't healed from, the feelings that are still sitting in in our bodies will come up. So again, why it's so important and vital to, to do that healing, and particularly if we know about this before being pregnant, before giving birth. Or there may be these themes that just show up over and over again. People might have themes of, you know, I just can't do it, I can't do it, and just feeling extremely powerless or just having a sense they're always doing things on their own or they're, it's like life is like pushing a rock up a hill all the time or just the, you know, back to Stan Groff's work, he talks about the no way out, the, the BPM2, basic perinatal matrix, matrix 2, and that sense of like this pressure of not being able to escape and I can feel I'm doing it myself like feeling this kind of tension you know how powerful that these memories are stored in our bodies just like I learned that very first time with the man talking about his hypnotherapy experience and they can show up in other things like uh, you know separating from a partner for example or looking after our baby or 
you know, as I said, going on a plane, like these kind of things can help us reconnect with those experiences. And often we may not know why until we've done more and more of this inner work. Like why are we waking up in the middle of the night feeling absolutely terrified? Our bodies are so wise, they're trying to heal, they're trying to release those feelings that we might have been carrying for decades. So I did want to say a little bit about stress in utero. So I talked about Thomas Verney, and I just felt called to share a little bit about this. He says, so I've got a quote here from him, he says, the uterus as an internal organ suffers the same fate as the gastrointestinal tract, having its normal blood supply diminished. So this is when the, there's the fight-flight response going on. What that means for a pregnant woman is that at times of stress, her baby will receive less blood and therefore less oxygen and nutrients. Stimulation of the sympathetic system is accompanied by inhibition of the parasympathetic system. The latter promotes rest, sleep and digestion. Its inhibition leads to wakefulness and malabsorption of food. Uh, as you can see, the fight-or-flight response is well suited for a person being chased by a lion, but not so great for a pregnant mother's unborn child. And there is another aspect to the body's reaction to perceived threat, and that occurs by way of what's called the HPA axis. This system works beautifully under normal conditions. It is designed, for lack of a better term, to preserve homeostasis, equilibrium, or at times of stress, to restore homeostasis as quickly as possible. If a pregnant woman runs to catch a streetcar, she will experience stress, but after she reaches the streetcar and sits down, her system will quickly return to normal. No harm was done. On the other hand, if this pregnant woman experiences an acute stress, such as the death of a loved one or the loss of a job, or as a single mother worried about how she will support the child she's carrying, her amygdala, in response to these ruminations, will override signals from the hippocampus. Hey, stop that. There is enough cortisone in the blood already. And stroke the fires with the adrenals so they keep making more cortisone, adrenaline and noradrenaline. In either case, her body is flooded with stress hormones. Thus, we have two possibilities, a short-lived major flooding of the mother's and consequently her baby's body with stress hormones or a higher than normal concentration of stress hormones over a protracted period of time. In either case, high levels of stress hormones are not helpful to the mother and baby. So basically, again, what I want to remind you, like it's, it's normal to have short periods of stress. And again, this is so relevant. Aletha Salter talks about that in her newest book, Healing Your Traumatized Child. And I, as I shared recently, I love how both she and my dear colleague, Joss Golden, talk about this a lot. That the fight flight response is really designed to be like, yeah, short periods of we're moving into that state and then moving back out of it. We're not designed to be in for long periods of time. And I want to remind you that from an aware parenting perspective, babies can absolutely heal from experiences of stress in utero. And that's what I love. If you are at this moment picking up any guilt sticks or, or anything like that, I invite you to put those sticks down straight away. That's the Marian method. It's never too late to support your baby or child to heal if you were stressed whilst pregnant with them. That's what I love about this approach. We can be deeply compassionate with ourselves. We're doing the utmost we can in the disconnected domination culture. It's inevitable that we're all going to get stressed because we live in a culture that doesn't support us to live in ways that help us all thrive. And we can do what we can, again, within this DDC to support our babies and children and ourselves to heal from stress. So it's what I really love about this. It's rather than just like, oh, you know, it's terrible. Yes, it does have an effect and we can help them heal. And I so often see that in consultations with parents, particularly with babies or children who are waking a lot or maybe moving to hitting or just, you know, all the usual signs that we know of accumulated feelings. Often they did have either the mother was more stressed during pregnancy or there was some kind of stress on the birth extra particular stress or there was some kind of separation or even procedure after birth or anyway it's also just normal and natural for all babies to experience stress every day 
even if we're doing everything we possibly can to prevent that. So again, what I want to remind you is whatever your child has experienced and whatever age they are, even if they're an adult, it's never too late to support healing to happen. I love about way of parenting so much. So what else? I think that was about all the things I wanted to say. But yeah, I'm just really looking forward to sharing more and having more of these conversations. Actually, I did want to talk about, I don't know why I didn't bring this in, but this was a really significant part and book for me to read. This was before I came across Aware Parenting in um, 2001. I found Frederick Laboye's book, Birth Without Violence, in a secondhand bookshop. Actually, I think that might have been in Cambridge as well. There was a great secondhand bookshop where I found the continuum concept, and I think I found that there too. Anyway, oh, maybe it was later. Anyway, it was one of those things. That it was last, it was a Friday in 1986. No, as I read the words and looked at the pictures, oh my God, that just had such a huge effect on me. I remember crying, 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 just as I cried a lot when I read the continuum concept. We're just particularly recognizing how sensitive babies are during and after birth and how much discomfort and even pain they experience when this isn't understood and Again, I think there is more and more awareness coming even into the mainstream birthing system, but often still the baby's not treated with reverence and deep care and and you know really just being gentle with their lovely bodies. They've been in this in- incredible space where everything's been cushioned, the touch and sound and all the things, and to come out into this big world to support them as much as possible for you know, the lights to be muted and the sounds to be muted and us to be really present and gentle and to be aware that their skin is incredibly sensitive. All of those things. And again, to know that if our baby didn't experience that, they may have big feelings show up when we, for example, I, I don't put a jumper over their head. They may be reconnecting with birth memories as well when we do that. So again, just really understanding that babies are exquisitely sensitive beings who feel, who are deeply affected by what they experience. And our role, one of the core aspects of aware parenting is to prevent stress and trauma wherever possible. So absolutely it's our role to be as sensitive and as attuned and as gentle and as affectionate and caring and loving and compassionate as we possibly can to respond in a tuned in an attuned way to prepare for birth as much as we possibly can to prevent unnecessary procedures wherever possible and 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 to know that where they have experienced stress where they have experienced trauma they can heal and that they will be constantly inviting that and that will be through crying, through crying in our loving arms. And so if they're what's often called fussing, I don't really like that word, but you know what it means, that they're fussing for hours every evening or they're waking up every sleep cycle or they're just coming on and off when they're feeding or they're just tense or all of the ways that babies will show us. They've got feelings sitting inside their bodies. They want to share how it was for them. They want to heal from these experiences. They want to feel calm or relaxed. They want to sleep. They want to be present. They want to be all the ways that they are naturally. And the more we understand the pivotal importance of these early days, weeks, months, years, and the more we understand that they can also heal from what did happen to them, the more we're going to have these beings who are still connected with themselves and feel relaxed in their bodies and don't have huge amounts of themes sitting um, ready to pop up (laughs) sometime later. So just, yeah, if you're listening, in whatever place you are in your journey, I just really appreciate you listening to this. And if any of it resonates, thank you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I'm so honoured and grateful that I get to share my experiences. And I know each of us has such an important story to share. 
And I'm so excited about the the upcoming conversations. I'm so excited about getting this book and this trilogy of books out into the world. And just also incredibly grateful to Aletha Salter for bringing aware parenting into the world and what a huge, huge effect it's had on my life, my whole family's life. And as I know, many, 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 many thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people. So thank you for being here. I'm sending love to any feelings that you might have had listening to this. And so much love to you, so much love to baby you. And if you do have a baby or a child, so much love to the to that baby in them. And I look forward to coming and being here for the next conversation. It's going to be really, really powerful. I really have that sense. Okay, so much love to you.